Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We are grateful that you do cleanse us from all of our sins. Lord, you give us the promise that if we confess our sins to you, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for this grace that is lavished upon us uh, so generously. And Lord, we, we are in difficult times and we, we face many temptations uh, in, this, in this life today. Lord, we are tempted to, to no longer trust in you, but to trust in ourselves. Lord, we thank you that uh, you open our eyes to that reality. That you open our eyes to the sinfulness of our own actions and thoughts and words. But most of all, we thank you for your cleansing for the blood of Jesus, for a right relationship with you, fellowship with you. And Lord, it's all because of your grace. And Lord, as we look at this topic of temptation today, I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts to hear your word, to trust your word. And Lord, I pray that you'd give me the words to say that I would glorify and honor you in everything that I say, that what I say would be in agreement with your word. It's only through your spirit that I can do this task of bringing the word to your people. Uh, so Lord, we ask for your presence. We ask for your infilling. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. The topic today is on the rock in temptation. On the rock in temptation. Well, times like these are an opportunity for temptation. For the temptation of the world, the flesh, and the devil. You probably have been uh, tempted in at least one way during this time of quarantine. Many of you have heard of the Quarantine 15. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? The Quarantine 15, people are gaining weight at an alarming rate. And I know I've, I've weighed myself. I have the same problem. When Katie and I were first married, she wanted to do something nice for me. It's always nice when you marry a girl and she wants to do something nice for you. Well, she baked me cookies. She knows how much I, I love cookies. And Katie makes really great cookies, and I really enjoy her cookies. When we were first married, one day I came home for lunch. I saw those cookies sitting on the counter. I decided that I would have just one cookie, just one cookie with my lunch. I ate that cookie. It was so good. I had another cookie, and pretty soon I was eating so many cookies. Pretty soon my stomach hurt. I had a stomach ache because of all the cookies that I was eating. I couldn't stop. So I decided that something had to be done with these cookies because the temptation was too great. So I took those cookies and I threw them into the trash can. That did not help our newlywed relationship. <laughs> temptation. Temptation. During this time, we know that many people are drinking too much, eating too much, quarantine 15. Others have fallen into the temptation of discontent. Anger. Others have fallen victim to the temptation of fearfulness. They aren't living with faith in God, even in the face of what really is a dangerous situation for many people. 
We all struggle with temptation. I don't, I don't know what your temptation is today, but, but I know that you do face temptation today. So as we struggle with temptation, it's important to find comfort. To find comfort in the reality that we are on the rock. You are on the rock. On Jesus you stand in the midst of temptation. Your life in Christ is... It is not lived on the shifting sands of the circumstances of this world today. Your life is being built by God on the rock of Jesus Christ. That's where you stand today. You stand on the rock. Temptation. Uh, Satan will do everything he can to convince you that just one bite won't matter. Just one bite won't matter. But what happens, as soon as, as you take that first bite, then Satan will try to convince you that you can never be forgiven and that you'll never be loved by God. You see how he works? He convinces you just one bite. It'll be okay. And then as soon as you take that bite, he convinces you that you are not loved and that you can never be forgiven by God. Satan will lure you in, and then after you've taken the bait, he'll convince you that you can never be free from the lure, from the hook, again. Doomed forever, never loved, never forgiven. You see, Satan knows what he's doing. And as Christians, we, we confess that we're engaged in battle. We confess as Christians that we're engaged in spiritual warfare. We're engaged in battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Temptation is constant. It, it's relentless. But today we're, we're thankful to God because Jesus entered into our world 2,000 years ago. And Jesus came. He entered into this world. He came to do battle with Satan. And he came to defeat Satan for you on your behalf. So Jesus came and he, he accomplished for you and I and for humanity what we could never accomplish for ourselves, as that is to engage in the spiritual warfare and finally to defeat the enemy. He did this ultimately as he hung upon the cross. And as Jesus hung upon the cross, there the head of Satan was crushed. The war was won. So I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And today we will look at that account of warfare between the enemy of our souls, Satan, and Jesus. Matthew chapter, 11, or chapter 4, beginning with verse 1 through chapter 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple 
and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to Satan, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and of their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have... Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. I hope you get that. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. So we have Satan and we have Jesus. Why why is Satan after Jesus? What is is the, the devil's goal? Well, he relentlessly works to keep humanity from God. He works relentlessly, tirelessly to keep humanity from being saved. If he can keep us from from God, he can keep us from salvation. So he whispers lies into our ears. He wants us to doubt God. He wants us to doubt his word. And Satan has devious ways of lying. Some might say that politicians are masters at lying. But the slickest politician can't hold a candle to the devil. He is the father of lies. So he slithers into into schools, into homes, into legislative houses, courts, and yes, churches. And he has one purpose, to keep humanity from God, to keep you from God, to keep you from salvation. Satan was in the wilderness to keep humanity from God. Satan knew Jesus was and is the Savior. He even said, implied, if you are, what? The Son of God. So Satan tried with all of his might to keep Jesus from accomplishing his task. To keep Jesus from winning salvation for you and me and for all of humanity. From this point, with Jesus in the wilderness, from this point, Satan uh, had a pretty good track record. You think of the history of Israel from the time of creation. And throughout Israel's history, Satan had a pretty good track record, didn't he? Uh, In the garden, Adam and Eve took the bait. They believed the lie. And they suffered the consequences. The nation of Israel, these are God's chosen people. The nation of Israel, uh, they, they believed the lie. They took the bait and they worshiped false gods. They bowed down and they worshipped idols. Adam and Eve took the bait, believed the lie. The nation of Israel, God's chosen people, did the same thing. 
And we have been doing the same thing throughout all of human history since our first parents sinned in the garden. We too have been following in their footsteps. So maybe Satan was thinking, if I was successful against Adam in the garden and Israel in the wilderness, then then I can defeat God's one and only son. And if I can defeat him, then I can keep all of humanity from God, all of humanity from salvation. Why is Satan after Jesus? What's his goal? His goal is to defeat Jesus. And if he can defeat Jesus, no one, no one will be saved. His goal was and is to keep us from God. So Satan is in the wilderness. He has a purpose. He has a plan. But Jesus is also in the wilderness. Why is Jesus in the wilderness? What is the Holy Spirit's goal in sending Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan? Well, here it is where Adam failed. And more specifically, fitting the context of Matthew's gospel, where Israel failed, Jesus is victorious. Satan won time, time, time again. Just read the Old Testament. Just look at your own life, where humanity has been failing for all of the history of the human race. Jesus is victorious. It's also interesting that Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. For 40 years, they were in the wilderness being tempted, constantly failing. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And Jesus did not fall victim to his temptations. It's also interesting that each of the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness mirror Israel's temptation in in the wilderness. The Israelites failed to trust God to provide for their physical nourishment. They failed to trust God for their physical nourishment. The Israelites bowed down to worship the enemy through idolatry. And the Israelites put God to the test when they grumbled against him. And the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. They failed time and time and time again. But where Israel failed in the wilderness, Jesus won the victory over Satan in the wilderness. So why was Satan in the wilderness tempting Jesus? He wants humanity separated from God. Why was Jesus in the wilderness? He wants humanity to be saved, to have fellowship with God. So Jesus goes to fight your battle on your behalf. So we think of it this way, Jesus entered into battle for us. He won the battle uh, that, that you would never be able to win on your own. Jesus, the only man to enter into battle against the temptations of the devil and come out the victor. When troops are sent to engage in, in just and worthwhile warfare, 
They're fighting on behalf of those who cannot fight for themselves. And that's what Jesus did. In the same way the Allied forces fought to liberate Europe, Africa, and the Pacific, Jesus came to fight for your freedom from bondage to sin, death, hell, and the devil. Some will re- read the passage of Jesus' battle against Satan in the wilderness and, and believe that there's only one way to look at this passage, that Jesus is only setting an example for us when we engage in battle. We've all heard sermons that, that emphasize Jesus using the word of God to battle Satan. Many servants have, have used this account in Matthew 4 and preached Jesus as an example in spiritual warfare. And and let me tell you this, that Jesus does set an example for us in that he used the word of God to battle Satan. But but the main main point of this is that Jesus is more than an example. Jesus is the one who comes and he fights for you. He fights for you. So yes, he sets an example. He uses the word of God against the attacks of the enemy. But there's much more to it. There's a greater point. Jesus is the one who comes and fights for you. So as you read the Gospels, please believe that everything that Jesus does, he's he's doing it, he's accomplishing it, For you, because you can never accomplish it on your own. Everything in the Gospels that Jesus did was done for your benefit, to win salvation for you. We can't accomplish this this task of fighting temptation. We can't accomplish the, the task of winning the battle over temptation. We need Jesus who comes and fights for us. If you see Jesus only as an example, only as an example, you'll you'll end in defeat. Yes, he is your example. He is your example, but he's also your substitute. He stepped into your shoes and he accomplished for you that which you could never accomplish for yourself. And Satan... He did not win the victory over Jesus in the wilderness. He did not win the victory on the night in which Jesus was betrayed. uh, If you remember the account of of, uh, the night in which Jesus was betrayed, just before he goes to the cross, there he was also tempted by the enemy. Not only in the wilderness, but in, in the garden, he was tempted. And Jesus never gave in to the temptations of Satan. Judas gave in to temptation. Peter gave in to temptation. All the disciples gave in to temptation. On the night Jesus was betrayed, all of the disciples, they scattered and they they hid themselves in fear. They thought they were next. They arrested Jesus and if they were going to crucify Jesus, they were fearful that they too would be crucified. But what was Jesus doing? That first Good Friday, well, Jesus marched victorious to the cross. 
And on the cross, he won the war against sin, death, hell, and Satan. He died upon the cross, and he marched victorious into hell itself. And he won the victory over death. Jesus holds the keys of death and hell. Then after three days, his body was laid in a borrowed tomb. He marched victorious out of his grave. He's alive. And today he is with you. His Holy Spirit is in you. And even in this service, he enters into this service, he, he, he marches victorious into your life to bring, to bring his victory over sin, over death, over hell, and over Satan to you. Today you are victorious. Not because of what you've done. Not because of your strength. Something within you that you have to fight temptation. You're victorious because Jesus came to fight the battle. To win the war on your behalf. And he still comes in the power of his word. Today he comes to you in the power of his word. To strengthen you. To strengthen you to fight temptation. So today, church, believe and trust that you're on the rock. You're standing on Jesus. You're standing on him in the thick of temptation's battle. But I want to give you some practical things today. How do we trust in the Lord? In our daily temptations, how do we trust in the Lord as we engage in this battle? Well, we need to trust the God, the God who equips us. The God who equips us with weapons of warfare. Every soldier enters into battle equipped with certain, with certain tools, certain instruments, and certain weapons. And God has equipped you. First of all, he's equipped you with his word. He's equipped you with his word. And this is an example that we can follow uh, in Jesus' life. And there's a lesson for us in Jesus combating Satan using the word of God. Now it's true, the main thrust of Jesus' temptation on the wilderness is to teach us about his victory, his victory over Satan where Israel had failed. But, but there's a lesson for us when Jesus uses the word of God. He uses the word of God to combat the attacks of the enemy. And you too can utilize the power of God's word in your life. And this is why you need to know your Bible. This is why you need to know your Bible, because we are constantly in a battle against the enemy. And if we know his word, if we know the truth of his word, then we will know the lies. Do you know how they train people to spot counterfeit money? Do they, you think they, they put them in a room and show them all sorts of counterfeit $100 bills, $50 bills, $20 bills? They don't do that. They actually have those who are trained uh, to spot counterfeits to actually spend time studying the real thing. And when they know the real thing, when they know the genuine $100 bill front and back, and they've studied it, and they, they know the detail of it, then immediately they can spot 
a counterfeit. That's why we need to know the Word of God. The Word of God is the, is the, genuine, is the genuine thing. It is, the, it is the truth. And if you know the truth, then you will spot the lies of Satan. When he comes and he says to you, one bite, one bite won't hurt. You'll, you'll, you'll know that that's a lie. And then if you, you do, and, and you will, if you do take the bait, then he begins to convince you that you can't be forgiven. That God doesn't love you. That you're, that you're beyond um, salvation. When Satan does that, then you'll know the truth. No. I am loved. I am forgiven. There is no limit to the grace of of God. His grace is amazing. It is boundless. So know the word so that when Satan comes and he whispers lies into your ears, you, you know the truth because you've been in the word of God. Prayer. Specifically the Lord's Prayer. There's a petition in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into, into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. So we are, we are called by Jesus to pray that that, that we would be able to stand up against the attacks of the enemy. Prayer is a powerful weapon. Martin Luther says about this petition, lead us not into temptation. Luther wrote, God tempts no one to sin, but we pray in this petition that God would so guard and preserve us that the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature may not deceive us nor lead us into error and unbelief, despair, and other great and shameful sins. But when tempted, we may finally prevail and gain the victory. So we are called to pray, knowing that prayer is a powerful weapon that we can employ in our lives against temptation. And then the third thing, the word of God and prayer, and then the third thing is the fellowship of believers. We find strength in the fellowship of God's people in his church. So, so I urge you, don't keep your temptation to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. And one thing that the enemy will, will tell us time and time again is that you are the only person who struggles with this. Or you are the only person who's had this doubt. And if you share that temptation with other people, then people are going to think you're a really bad Christian. Or you're a really weird person. Or that you really don't fit. Each and every one of us sitting here have a different story. We've experienced different temptations. But when we begin to share what we struggle with in our lives, we'll find that we're not the only people in the church that struggle with that or have struggled with it. And when we begin to verbalize our temptations, then we can find encouragement and strength and support in the midst of the difficulties that we face. So don't keep your temptation to yourself. Share it with somebody you trust. And find the church as a place of strength and support. I like to say it this way, the church isn't like a family. It's not like a family. The church is your family. The church is your family. We're here for you. We're here to lift you up and to support you. 
temptation. In this time of pandemic, many people are drinking too much, eating too much. People are putting on the quarantine 15. Others have fallen into the temptation of discontent, fear, anger. We all struggle. We all struggle with temptation. Times like these can make our battle against temptation even more difficult. Sure, times like these give give Satan an opportunity to attack. But in this time of difficulty, as you struggle in temptation, it's important to know and to trust and to believe that you're on the rock. You have Jesus. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you. So take hold of his word. Read his word. Pray his word. Trust in his word. Lean on each other. Find comfort in the fellowship of believers. Find strength in the fellowship of believers. But most of all, know that you're on the rock. It's on Jesus you stand. Your life in Christ, your life in Christ is not lived on the shifting sands of this changing world. Every day, life presents something different to us. But your life is not built on the shifting sands of the changing circumstances of today. Your life is is being built by God on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Stand there. Find your strength there. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all that you have come to do for us. Not just setting an example for us, but actually fighting for us. And Lord, we pray that you would fight on our behalf again, even today. Come, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would deliver us from the enemy. Pray that you would keep us from temptation. Lord, for, for those who are experiencing deep, deep difficulty and, uh, and uh, strong attacks at this time, Lord, I pray that uh, you would give them today the relief that they need. I pray that there, there may be some that need courage to, to share their temptation with somebody that they trust so that they can find strength and support in this church family. So, Lord, we give uh, this to you. We give all things to you. And we trust in you, Lord, with all of our heart. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.